There are many paths to make it to the majors, and today's guest forged his own after a multi-sport career at Hopewell Valley Central High School. Now in his seventh year in the bigs, A.J. Casavell covers the most exciting team in baseball, the San Diego Padres for MLB.com. We'll talk baseball, some life on the West Coast, and much more with A.J. next on this episode of the Jersey Baseball Show. The Jersey Baseball Show is sponsored by Edward Lesky Company, general contractors, for more than 70 years, 908-686-7272, edwardlesky.com. The Edward Lesky Company, work safe, work smart, work tomorrow. AJ, welcome to the show. Um, greetings from uh, back home in the East Coast here. Uh, you know, Tell us a little bit about what, what, uh, what's going through, what you're doing right now. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's pretty cool. Um, we're uh, so so basically like I, as as with everyone's world, this year has been kind of like thrown on its head the last year and a half. And so I'm covering the Padres essentially more or less this this exciting, fun, young winning team. I'm, I'm covering them essentially through Zoom. But I'm I mean, I'm at all the home games and I'm, I'm uh, covering them for MLB.com. So I'm writing two to three stories a day on what's going on one after the game and then usually one like featurey type thing before the game. And so. There's a lot to write about with this team. I've done it for, uh, I, I believe this is my sixth or seventh year on the beat. And um, like there were years where I had nothing. It would, there, there was, it, I had to like really scrape and claw to find something to write about. Couldn't and wait for October, uh, right? Yeah. And now it's, and, and now there's all, there's like too many things and I have to, I have to make some judgment calls as to like what I'm not writing about that day, which, which story will not be the most interesting. So it's uh, a, yeah. It's a, it's a change, but it's a lot of fun. The Padres are a fun team. and, and yeah, yeah, great great personalities. So many different personalities yep. too, right? Yeah, that's – that's to me, I mean, they can win 95, 100 games. To me, what I'm most excited about about this team is that they have, like, pretty much every – pretty much everyone on the team or pretty much every, like, main contributor is an interesting, outgoing uh, kind of – like there's there's some depth to the personality too and so like there there's a lot to cover i think as a result of that and that i'd i'd prefer that to a 9500 win team any day but this team might also be that yeah so you get you get both here this year it looks like yeah. at least it's a possibility right so yeah. so tell us tell us about your story because one of the things that i like to do each week is you know obviously bring somebody on here um you know this is a, a kind of a, a a New Jersey, it's got a New Jersey focus to it. Obviously you're, you're on the West coast, but, but grew up in central Jersey, um, played multiple sports at Hopewell graduate, I think 2007, if I recall, yep. um, you know, where did this path come from? How did you know you wanted to be in baseball? Um, and how did you, uh, you know, get into writing eventually through MLB.com and covering the majors? Yeah. So, I mean, it's something I've, I guess the cliche would be that it's something I've always wanted to do. Like I grew up wanting to write about baseball and I grew up wanting to be involved in baseball. Baseball, I, I played uh, football and basketball in high school too, but I always, but baseball was always my, my like passion. It was always the sport I loved the most. And so, um, yeah, it's something I always want to do. Actually. I, I mean, I grew up reading, reading every day, reading you in the Trenton times, reading star ledger, reading the New York times. And then I used to get in trouble during, during, uh, Spanish class because I'd be reading reading the paper in the middle of class and yeah, right, I'd, I'd right. get it taken away. Now you know what clip I'm going to short for for Twitter is the little <laughs> here. Um, no, so that but that that happened fairly regularly. Uh, 
<laughs> and, I, I and, vividly remember it happening in Spanish class most often, but and, uh, which, and, which and, that's that's honestly something I should have been probably paying more attention to because my yeah, Spanish I was gonna say it turns out that could, that was yeah. some relevant career education that you missed out on, I think. Yeah, so uh, I, I guess it might have it might have been been better served for me to be reading the paper in in some other classes. But anyway, um, <laughs> math, right? So, then, so yeah, so so then I, I I graduated and like with that as my goal, I went to Penn State and I worked for the the Daily Collegian there. Um, and then I got hired, uh, I got for, for an MLB.com internship, uh, back then they had internships with all 30 teams. I was the intern for the, uh, for the Dodgers in, in, in LA. And so I drove across the country in 2011 with full designs on after my internship was over, just coming back, going back, coming back, going back to New Jersey and then figuring out what was next. But at the end of that internship, I got a pretty good indication that, um, that come the following February, they might be looking to hire like part-timers uh, for MLB.com, which could lead to something more full-time. And so this was in, this was 2011. And so I had family in San Diego and essentially drove my, drove my, drove all my stuff down there, put it in my cousin's garage, uh, flew back East, spent a couple months back East looking for jobs, but I always had kind of this inkling that they would rehire me. And then sure enough in February, uh, they hired me to, um, they hired me for like their national desk, like to just write short stories on breaking news. And then I also worked overnight shifts two nights a week, which were, which were brutal, but it was my way of, because I was working those overnight shifts, they essentially said, well, if you're going to be working these, they're two to 10 East coast or they're 11 to seven West coast. You can live kind of where we can live wherever you want. If you're doing these, you can work remotely. It just has to be in a city with a major league baseball teams that you can help our beat guy cover when he needs mm -hmm. time off. And so, sure. I ended up picking San Diego because I, they essentially gave me, gave me more or less an option. Um, and then a few years later, the beat job came open and that's where I am now. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's an MLB.com job. It's right. So it's an advanced media. It's, you know, it's not the typical newspaper, which is kind of dead anyway, but you, that's, that's really more the traditional old school path, you know, to, to getting that position, right. You, 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 kind of work your way up through the ranks, you know, with, with the coach. So that's, that's pretty cool um, because you see so many people just kind of a non-traditional way, but you know, what did you learn from that? Um, you know, was it smooth all the way Were there some, uh, some ups and downs as far as getting that position? Cause I mean, you're, you know, as hard as it is to make the majors, you know, the, there are a lot fewer writing jobs than there are playing jobs. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, Looking back, it all kind of sounds so smooth. It's like I got the internship and then I got hired part time and then I started working the overnight production shifts and then the beat came open and I got it. And it like all seems very kind of like the path was straightforward, but like, A, I didn't really necessarily know when, when a beat job would become available for me. So I was prepared to move to any city if they had offered it to be in any city. Um, and so then there were, there were times where I was hopeful of, of maybe going anywhere else or like of, of getting a different job and, and, uh, with, with MLB.com, like covering a different team and that never materialized. And, um, I think the, uh, like probably the thing that I like learned the most or the, or like what I look back on it and, and like, say like, man, that was tough in, in retrospect was like those, the, the overnight production shifts. I mean, like you, you, to, to get to like, if you, if you want to get to like, I love my job. It's, it's cool. And it's exactly what I want to be doing. And it's, 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 there's still challenges, but I love my job. But in order to get there, like I had to work, I'd essentially give up. Those were mostly weekends. So I'd essentially give up my weekend 
my Friday and Saturday nights to work from 11 to seven. And there were times where those were just brutal. And I covered, I did that for two and a half years and it wasn't every Friday and Saturday night. I think they gave me some, some time to spend to to do whatever. And someone else filled in for me, but, but it's, I mean, it, it, I guess it just, it just takes like the real commitment and the real desire to, to want to get to, to where, um, to where you are, you know? Yeah, and no, I, I love that personally because that was, you know, again, it, I was writing for hmm, 10 years before I got my first, you know, hey, you're going to start covering the Phillies a little bit now. And, and there were all sorts of things in between there. And, uh, you know, just to see, you know, I think it gives you a better appreciation for, for yeah. the, you know, f- not just for your job, but, but also the jobs of, you know, it's not like you hit send and bam, it's up on the, you know, on, on your site. I mean, it just gives you more of an appreciation for your, you know, the, the editing staff, it gives you more of an yep. appreciation for the, you know, for the desk and, you know, kind of respect to their schedule too. And I, I think that's something that's really cool. Yeah. That's probably, I would say like one of my strengths on this job right now is because I spent time editing and I spent time producing stories. And I also spent time reporting. Like my background was fairly even in both. And like, if you have that and you can kind of understand what, what your editors are working with and what the burden is and the communication is just a lot easier that way. And so I would, I mean, I like in 2012, I wanted a beat and I thought I could handle it and I'm sure maybe I could have, but in retrospect, like the things I learned in those five years in between, like they significantly helped me get to where I am. My guess is there's some things you could have handled and some things that would have been just like, yeah, what is this? Um, So when was your first like, yeah, I, I, I made it. I'm here moment, you know, coming uh, in, in the majors because you, you know, kind of didn't have the well, some of your kind of path was traditional was kind of working your way up. There wasn't like I'm covering high schools. I'm covering the minors. It's like, boom, I'm, I'm you know, early 20s. I'm, I'm covering the majors, you know, somehow. What was your first kind of like, you know, a what was, you know, what was your mindset going into that job and, and, and B, what was your first, like, you know, wow, this is, I'm in the majors now. Well, so the first one I would say probably happened before I got the beat. They, I helped cover the 2014 world series, which I didn't, I didn't cover any of the games in, in Kansas city, but I covered the three games in San Francisco. And so right. you guys probably remember that as the, as the bum Garner world series. Well, I saw him pitch in game five there, but that was just like, it was, that was, that was pretty incredible for me because I, I remember going into the Royals clubhouse afterward and asking them about Bumgarner and a couple of them were like, well, Hey, we like, we don't have to face him again. And then he came out of the bullpen in game seven and pitched five <laughs> innings. So later, right? that was, yeah. And that was the first, that was like the first, like, all right, like I've, I like, I'm, I'm making it. Like they asked me to cover this, like I'm probably going somewhere. Um, and then I think, uh, I'd probably say like, the, the way we, we do it at MLB.com is so there's, there's 30 beat writers for every team. And so when the season's over, you get to like, I, I'm not necessarily covering Padres in October if, if the Padres aren't in the playoffs. So for those first couple of years when they were struggling, I was, I, I covered, uh, I covered uh, Dodgers. I think it was Dodgers nationals that, that October. And it was just an outstanding series. And like, I got to fly back and forth across the country, went five games. Clayton Kershaw came out of the bullpen in game five to, to lock it down I think that was that year I think that was 2016 but that was the first that was like the first time I got to like like bounce back and forth with a with a playoff series and then and then it was um I guess I covered Dodgers Cubs the following year the Dod- Cubs beat the Dodgers and went to the um 
went to their first World Series in however many years, that in 2016. But in 2017, I got to cover Dodgers-Cubs in the LCS. And, like, that I, – I, covering the Padres was outstanding, and and I, I loved it from the start. But, but, like, let's face it, like, a lot of my work got overlooked because the Padres were a 66-win team. And so covering playoff baseball and bouncing across the country to I cover, like, real – I Chicago, too. I mean, those are – yeah. You know, Crazy yeah, it's awesome. Cities, you know. Yeah, and it was it was awesome, and I think that was when it was kind of like, all right, like this is this is here here we go, like this is this is big time. And now I think now I think the cool thing is, like I saw like those those baseball crazed cities, and I kind of always thought that San Diego would have that, but the team was just, I mean, there was a sub five hundred team for nine straight years, and then the Padres, then the Padres got good, and now I'm seeing that here, and it's yeah. a really really cool baseball town. Yeah. Yeah. No, you ever just, I mean, you know, you growing up in central Jersey, just ever like San Diego's nice. I'm not moving back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I never, I honestly, God, I never like thought about living in California while I was growing up in central Jersey. So I just like, I think it was, I think the reason I got the, uh, the Dodgers internship and I may have gotten it anyway, was like, we had to kind of like rank which cities we wanted to, which cities we would be interested in covering. And I put LA, Anaheim, San Diego, because I think it was, I got the internship on like mid January at Penn state when there's like freezing rain falling down <laughs> outside. And so I was like, you know what, if I'm going to intern somewhere, maybe I'll, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll make it Southern California. And then my, my list 10 is years the exact later, same as average temperature in February. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, but it, it worked out better. And what's a, uh, as a converted West Coaster, what's uh, what's your favorite, you know, thing about living out West that, you know, obviously the weather's fantastic. So we'll, we'll take that off the table. I mean, I, I, even I would say, yeah, I'll take that weather over over here any day. Yeah. But, but beyond that, what's the what's the thing that you have grown to like most, maybe appreciate most, um, you know, just was different than you thought or just, you know, what, what what's living on the West Coast like? Well, yeah, so the, I, I think the thing that I've grown to maybe appreciate the most as far as, like, something I didn't realize. Like, I obviously, like, growing up in New Jersey, I have my idea of, like, what food I love. And, like, Italian food, pizza, bagels. Like, you're not going to get any of that out here. And so when I first right. moved out here, when I first moved out here, I was kind of bummed about how crappy all the food was. Like, it wasn't, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't up to my standard. And then uh, it's the capital of the world out here. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and so then I moved to then, then I like spent some time here and started realizing, well, yeah, like there's no like there's no pizza place like like Vito's down the road or there's no like I can't get bagel like Pennington bagel. But like, you know what I can get? I can get fish tacos that are incredible. and I can get Mexican food. That's great. Seafood. That's great. So I, I have come to I think I've come to like really, really appreciate the food out here as like very different. So when I go home, I when I go back to New Jersey, like I, I make sure I get all that stuff in, but, but I've come to appreciate this food as, as, as good, just very, very different. From what very I with. different. Yeah. Yeah. In and out burger. Yes or no. Strong. Yes. Okay. I feel like that's another one of those, like you either love or and most love, but, but just as yeah. much, there's no in between, right? You, you well, don't. I almost, yeah, I almost never get it because like, I, I try to avoid I try to avoid getting it as often as possible like <laughs> the one time the one time I allow myself to get it is uh on the drive home from like if I cover a Padres Dodgers series in LA like those are usually exhausting just because Padres Dodgers series are exhausting like they're, oh, sure. they're really really good baseball games and there's a 
measure rivalry. And so that on the drive down I-5, I five, I stop and get in and out burger. And that's pretty much the only time I have it, but yeah, big fan. Now, now you were a Yankees fan or Phillies fan growing up? I was a Yankee fan growing up. I mean, I was, I was a huge baseball fan, just regardless. So to Yankee games and Philly games, the same went to a lot of Trent Thunder games too. And so, yeah, just, just, I was a Yankee fan growing up. I had a uh, season tickets in the, in the, in the bleacher creature. Like we had a Sunday game package. So we'd go out there. And then when they switched, then when they, when they switched stadiums, I think I was already in college. And so um, I spent like a good, a good chunk of my Sundays when I wasn't playing baseball, just going up to going up to the Bronx and sitting in the bleachers. So one of the, either again, you know, great or, or negative things about living out here is those, you know, the, the Phillies or the Yankees would go out West, play the Mariners, Padres, whatever. And you got these 10 o'clock starts and you're yeah. up one. No more of that for you, huh? There's no, no, it's, night, I, no more night games. it's, it's pretty spectacular. Like I, I, everyone back East, like you're used to like kind of watching sports the way you watch them. Tell you what, if you move everything three hours up, it's outstanding. Like you get yeah. a the night games, you're not gonna you're you never up past eleven o'clock unless it's some wild and crazy game. Usually it's done at ten. But B, like football Sundays are great. Like I know it, it sounds weird, but ten a.m. Oh, waking up, rolling out of bed, ten a.m. football is outstanding. My, my first experience with that was uh, you know just just finished graduate from Northwestern. Six months later, the big Rose Bowl season, you know, nineteen ninety five, where. You know, oh, nice. out there January 1st, 96, my first trip and I extended time out, out in, uh, you know, Pasadena going to the Rose Bowl. And yeah, all of a sudden, you know, football Sundays are started at, at nine o'clock. It's, you know, it's just it's breakfast. It's, you know, no night games. It's, it's fantastic. And you just, it's a different lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it very much, the, the sports calendar very much fits the different lifestyle too. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, one might be the cause of the other in some ways, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> Um, so, you know, you see younger writers now, or people maybe ask you for advice, you know, how does, uh, how does this happen? And, you know, how do you get this as a career? I mean, people read you in Spanish class now, although it's probably tougher to, I guess you got your iPhone. You Um, what? Yeah. It's probably easier than ever to read. Yeah. Read about baseball during Spanish class. Yeah. There is no big newspaper to, to unfold at the desk anymore. What a, what do you tell them? What can you, you know, what help you on this path? Um, you know, people who's, you know, realize at age 17, they can't hit a curveball, um, but still want to stay in the game. You know, what, what were some things that helped you along the way? Yeah. So I think, uh, well, first of all, I, I could hit a curveball. It was the fastball velocity <laughs> I had trouble, I had trouble with, but uh, no, I, I think the biggest thing is just that like, you have to be, like you have to really, really, really want it. It's not, it, it, it can't be like, Oh, I want to, I, I want to be a, a baseball writer. Well, there's, there's just, there's, there's a lot of people who want to want to be baseball writers. There's a lot of people who want to do that. And like, you have to get, you have to get some lucky breaks along the way. I'm, I'm, I'm not without like my share of lucky breaks, but like, you have to, you have to be willing to sacrifice weekend overnights for a few years to get to where you want to be. You, you have to be willing to, to kind of give up your, summer we like i i love my job and would never complain about the grind of the schedule i really really try hard not to but i don't i don't get summer weekends and like those are really really important to a lot of people and if they are then fantastic but this job kind of isn't for you so i would say you just kind of have to be willing like it's a little cliche but you have to really 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 love the game and then beyond that you have to be like you can't just love it. You have to be willing to put in the work to get to 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 get to where you are i think that's that's probably the I mean, that's the biggest key is that if there's something that the 
average person watching at home maybe doesn't understand about your job? Is it that? I mean, is it just the amount of work that goes into it? Because, you know, young AJ, young, young Mike certainly was guilty of it. Might think, hey, this is pretty cool. You got these people are going to the games. They're writing a little story about it. They're done. And they don't see everything else that goes into it. Um, you know, you see the glamour, but you don't see the, the hard work. Um, you know, is that probably what most people don't get? I, I think so. And I like I give I give those people a pass because like they're they're only concerned about what they're reading. They're not necessarily concerned yeah. about the work that goes into it. But like there is it's uh, especially in a, in, in a normal time, like flying from city to city. Awesome. Love it. It's a grind. And it makes it like if I show up in Colorado at 1130 on a Monday morning ahead of a four game series against the Rockies, I'm, I probably got up and got up and got on an early flight and I'm probably pretty tired. And now I have to go to the ballpark and cover a game that night. And it's, it's, it's awesome. Own, and you don't have your own traveling secretary checking in, if I recall. Correct. Yeah. So I'm, I'm booking all these flights and that's a part of it too. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's really cool, but it's the, the yeah. thing I think people don't realize is the grind behind it all. So it's, and, yeah. and it's not just, and it, it like, like you said, it's not just you show up, you watch a game, you write a story about it. I mean, there's, there's like relationships to build and there's people to meet, there's people to get to know. And then like, you have to, you have to kind of build up your own reputation among the, among the team. And, and like, that is probably the most important part of the job because without that, you're not going to, you're not going to get the meat of the story you're going to miss out on some things that i think you'd other that, that are you're going to miss out on stories that that are otherwise interesting and should be written baseball wise what do you think the average person doesn't you know again kind of same question fully understand about you know how good these guys really are yeah i think the average person probably doesn't understand like how much how much work goes into it if 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 it's a if it's a seven o'clock like it's they, they play baseball for a living so no one's gonna no one's gonna begrudge them like oh you're working so hard like that's right. that's not a thing but they they really are they really are working that hard almost to a man like if you when you complain about someone being lazy well ninety nine percent chance they're not being lazy 90, they were probably there at one watching film taking early swings doing treatment whatever they're probably working through some injury that they have to get in the club after the game on so there's like fans tune in at 6 55 at night and turn off the tv at 10 when the game's over and if they won or if they lost that's what they see but there's just there's so much more that goes behind that and they also like this is a bold concept here but they're also people they go through like the ups and downs of daily life just like we do and like if if they're going through whatever off field that doesn't seep its way into how they like that doesn't seep its way into what you know about how they're playing, but it might seep its way into how they're playing. And so I think that's just an important number before you, before you say, oh, this guy's a bum or this guy's lazy or whatever. Like they you can still do that as part of the fan experience, I think, but it's, but yeah, but they are human beings. Yeah. Um, what would be a surprise to us average people, you know, as far as people, guys that you've met in the majors that maybe were, uh, better to write about than, than you thought they would be coming in or, or somebody who you might know their kind of public persona is maybe not the same as what, you know, what it really is. Yeah. So I'll go, I guess, I guess this goes basically just off my last answer, but uh, when the Padres signed Manny Machado, I didn't know what, I didn't know what to think. And I think, I think Manny has some, uh, Manny has a reputation kind of around the league for, for lack of hustle or whatever. And having watched him, I, I just, I don't buy it. And, and my, 
I guess my biggest takeaway from like now three years of covering him is that uh, like he, he has a hard time dealing with the media and he says some of the wrong things. And I don't think he has a very good grasp of like what he's supposed to be saying or like how to like, like he shouldn't have made that Johnny hustle comment he made in the, in 2018. But that aside, like, I think that gets him into a lot of trouble that aside, like he busts his butt. He is, he is as hard a worker as anyone. And he like, he, I mean, I think there's, there's maybe times where he's, where he's not running hard out of every single ground ball. And it's almost always because he's dealing with something that we don't see off the, off the, off the stage. He's almost always dealing with an injury. Like he's had a little bit of a a shoulder thing now. Um, And yeah, so I, I, I've covered him and I like, he plays 162 games somewhat regularly and that's pretty rare in today's game. And so I think, I I just think that uh, he can be tough to cover because he's not, he's, he's a little combative with the media. And I think maybe I understand that because of the kind of the way the media has burned him in the past a little bit. Uh, But I've, I've enjoyed watching him play and I've enjoyed covering him. And I think his reputation nationally doesn't necessarily match what, what I've come to realize from covering him. On the other side of it, who, uh, you know, maybe not your current team, but if you look at the other teams or guys you've met through baseball really, uh, you know, really are what they, you know, what they seem to be really, or, or, or just that much fun to cover. Yeah. Well, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Is that much fun to cover. I mean, he's (laughs) like, he's, he's as fun a baseball player as I've ever seen. We like, he plays baseball kind of the way that like you ever, you play stickball or wiffle ball as a kid. Um, But I, I would say that like uh, covering, covering the Padres, one of the, like, they're not always the most forthcoming with, with information and with injuries. And so like Jace Tingler is an outstanding manager and a really, really good dude, but he is hard to cover uh, because there's not always, there's not always like that, that level of kind of, I don't want to say honesty because I don't think he outright lies, but there's always withholding information almost even in the 10 years that I've, that I've been working for MLB.com like it's evolved toward a football mindset, a Belichickian, mm-hmm. like, we're not telling you this, we have information, we're not telling you and we're letting you know it. And so uh, I think that's a, it's, it was probably the natural evolution of things. And the Padres front office is the same way. And like a lot of people I really like, a lot of people who are really good people who, who are not very forthcoming. And I guess that's natural evolution of it, but it's also yeah. interesting that the, that the, uh, that in the 10 years since I've started covering baseball, it's just changed so much. Like when I covered, when I started 10 years ago, Don Mattingly was the manager of the Dodgers. And so like, as a, having grown up a Yankee fan, yeah. that was, that was really cool for me. Like I was an intern covering Don Mattingly. Right. Um, and, uh, and what I remember, like he was, all, he, he, he told us essentially what was going on, whether it was on the record during the manager interview or whether it was after it had ended, he'd clarify something. He'd be like, Hey guys, just to let you know, like he's going through a little bit of this. There's just not as much of that anymore. Yeah. Probably just a sign of a uh, changing game and, and yeah. like that. Right. It's uh speaking of which, if, if you were, if Rob Manford just decided to step down and, and suddenly AJ Casabell was uh, the, the commissioner, you know, think about some of the, things people have said about the game recently, you know, that it's difficult to watch at times. It's, uh, you know, too analytics driven. And a lot of the kind of feel for, for baseball is maybe going away. Anything you would change if you could about the game to make it more uh, user friendly? Yeah. So I, I think, I, I think major league baseball is trying a lot of the things that I would, I would like to see implemented. Like I would, I think you're not going to find many people who don't agree with like, 
we want to get back to a, a, a game where it's kind of more contact oriented and action oriented and, and less so strikeout heavy. Um, I think I, and, and then I, I don't know exactly what the solution there is, but I think like by testing in the minors, the ideas of like banning the shift or moving the mound back or like what, what input, what impact will this have? I don't know what the exact answer is, but I know I'm like, I'm willing to, to try that out. And so I think, I don't know you if don't think it's just the right answer. You don't think it's sacrilege to, to try it. You know, some people might be like, you're messing with the game too much. No, not at all. And, and yeah. And I think no matter what, no matter what you do, baseball, such baseball is like, it's been around for so long and it's, there's so much history and it's so important to so many people that no matter what you do, people are going to get mad at you for, for changing the game. Like the three batter minimum, I thought was a, I thought was a solid, I thought it was a nice rule addition. Like it was, Everyone said it would get rid of strategy, would get rid of lefty specialists. I, I hear that. I understand that. I think it's created a different kind of strategy, and it's maybe helped games flow a little bit better. Um, but I think there's probably I, – I think there's a need to probably embrace – like keep, keep the game as it is and then and, and just, just find a way to make it a little bit more contact-oriented. And I – like moving the mound back is one that like I'm – very very intrigued by because it, they, like the studies that are done if you move it back six inches or a foot you're gonna all of a sudden uh it's it's all of a sudden gonna like encourage hitting and i just i don't know if that's like this is me talking this is just me thinking out loud i don't know if you can do that to pitchers though i don't know if that's fair to them who have grown up their yeah. whole lives throwing from 60 feet six yeah. inches but so i guess like the the changes i would make like right away would be a a a robot ump strike zone. I think we're there. And I think you still you like every single person at home on their TV knows instantly whether that umpire made a mistake or whether he got it right. And I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily even fair to the umpires. I think you still have them stand there, but if they like, if it's a strike, they get buzzed and they call a strike. And so that's, that's one thing I would like to see implemented. Um, I would also like, I'm a big fan of, uh, I think the the current playoff format with two wild cards playing each other to get into the uh, mm-hmm. to get into the um, to get into the division series. I think it's it, it's I think it's really good. I think it creates some solid division races. But I would like to see that be three games as opposed to one. Yeah, we kind of got a little bit of a taste last year with the postseason that way. Uh, yeah, I like the best and, out of three. I didn't like the eight teams making it though. I thought that. Was- I no, and I would never. If I were commissioner, I, I would. That, that would not be a thing because I think one of the, one of the coolest aspects of major league baseball is the strength of its regular season and the strength of its pennant races. And like the excitement there, like legitimately good teams are going to miss the postseason, which is something that I don't think basketball or hockey really has. And so if you, you're going to expand to eight, you're going to like, you're going to lose that. You're going to lose like the strength of these games. And you're playing and so, 162 games. That's a lot, right? You got to, you know, you, you don't need everybody yeah. in the playoffs after that long of a season. It's a lot of it's a lot of games for then the only advantage you to have gained would be you're the two seed and you get to host the three game right. series against the team that lost 20 more games than you did. So I, I like I'm I'm pretty staunchly opposed to that, but I would like to see I, I like I thought last year that the three game the three game wildcard series was really cool. And it, yeah. I think it does a better job of determining who has the baseball, the better baseball team, as opposed to just who has the best ace, which which is cool. Like that one game playoff is it's produced some really, really good baseball games, but I think playing three games where you got to run out three different pitchers and you got to maybe it's three games in three nights. There's a little bit of attrition. There's a little bit of like bullpen use 
maneuvering. So I think it does a bit like a three game series. It's only two more games, but I just think it does such a better job of determining who the better baseball team is. So I would like to see that maybe implemented there and then kind of either stick with the current format or, or go to six at the most, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go any, any bigger than that. Favorite visiting city or non San Diego and probably to be fair, non East coast, uh, you know, I was say non Philly in New York when yeah, I get to see yeah. my family. Right. Yeah, that's fair. That, those are those are my two favorites because I get to see my family, yep. uh, which is actually a big like that's big part of why I love the job is that I get to travel and see them. Um, so uh, let's see. Favorite visiting city is probably I really like Colorado. Um, it's like sneaky good ballpark. I don't think it ever really gets mentioned as one of the as one of the best. And it's probably not one of like the top five or whatever, but it's. It's definitely top 10 sneaky good ballpark great downtown area yeah uh yeah denver's denver's a cool city there's things really to do so yeah you're making you're making me yearn to get back on the road again because i haven't been out there and let's see it's been yeah the last my last road trip well i guess I've, I've been, i went to los angeles earlier this year but my last road trip would have been september 2019 so but you said that's coming soon supposedly right yeah to colorado actually will be my first trip but that back on the road in, uh, in a couple uh, next end of next month. Yes. Yeah, so the, in, I believe it's, I don't know the exact dates, but late June, I'll be, I'll be back on the road and I, we're still covering games via zoom, but we're hoping that like you get to talk to start talking to players on the field as opposed to on, from a, from a video camera. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I that's why I said earlier was that it, that was always to me kind of my favorite because it's really there. You know, natural. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. They're, they're oh, I always found them more relaxed when they're on the field. You know. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. So, I guess really the one thing we haven't uh, covered was the is the Cassabel Wiffle Ball tournament. Is that that's <laughs> still going on? Or are you still the the leading yeah. all time champion? Or are you? Uh... Oh, I don't. I don't know if I'm the leading all time champion. I I think I probably am, but. My brother might have something to say about that, but we, uh, so yeah, so we've been doing it for shoot. Well, last year was the first year we've missed it in 23 years. And so we'll be back on again this summer. Uh, but it's really, I mean, it, it's, it's not a Cassavelle wiffle ball tournament as much as it is a Cassavelle family reunion that has this big wiffle ball tournament now at the center of it all. So we've, uh, it's fun. It started out as two teams and now it's grown to four and we pick different teams every year. And it's, um, yeah, it's a blast. And it's like, it's, it's really like, cause my, it's, my family's like so important to me and I live in San Diego and I have some family out here in San Diego actually, but I don't get to see them all the time. Like I don't get to see my family back East all the time. And so I, it's even, even during the middle of the summer, like it's important to me that I take a, a weekend off and get to see them and get to see yeah. everyone and, and maybe beat them up and whip the ball a little bit. Although I think I've gone, I think I've gone four tournaments now without winning one. So it'll, it's a, uh, I'm, I'm due this summer. Sort of like your Yankees, right? It's been a long time since they've won. Was it 09? Yeah. Well, Phillies won't be in the World Series to beat up on, I guess, for a while either, probably. <laughs> um, so, and, and probably taking on some extra meaning, I guess, you know, that, that whole weekend being that you're on the road, right? And you're on the road so much, it's really your chance to kind of connect and see everybody. Oh yeah. I mean, it's always, it's always meant a lot. And so like the family, the family wiffle ball tournament emerged because uh, my dad passed away when I was very little. And so, and wiffle ball baseball was just one of the things he loved. And so this tournament is a, 
is kind of a way of like getting our family together to honor him. And it's, and, and it's like, it's really grown. I think so, like the first one might've been 97, 98. And now like we have like kids, like families with kids and the kids have grown up and now they're dominating the wiffle ball game. And some of the, like, I, I feel like I might already be a little bit overmatched in it. Uh, Getting old. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm still, I'm, I'm still up there. I'm still, I, yeah, I, there, 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 there was a short porch in right field. One of the kids is a lefty and he's, he, he has a little bit of a, oh, okay. he's a little bit of an unfair right. advantage, but um, yeah, but no, we, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, it's just so important to me to like, to see all of, and it's such a cool way. Cause it's like, it's, it's, it's once a summer and I'm so busy during the summers, but it's a way for me to like, it's my mom's side of the family and my dad's side of the family. And we all get together and like, it's, I only, I haven't seen them like this year. It'll be, I haven't seen them in a year and a half, but usually it's, I haven't seen them since maybe Christmas and we all get together and it's just a blast from the start. There's no awkward introductions or like, Hey, like I haven't seen you. Like, it's just, right. it's just a party, right? Right. Get go. And we're playing wiffle ball and we're drafting teams. And then we're, and then usually the way it works is we play some wiffle ball games and then the games end and we drink a few beers and talk about them and talk about what's going on with the Padres or the Yankees or the Phillies. And so it's, it's say, every, time. everybody wants to talk baseball with the, uh, with the MLB writer, I would imagine. Right. Which is fine with me. I'm always, I'm always down to talk baseball and it's and the, the other, I mean, the other aspect of it is like, I, I don't get to watch a ton of East coast baseball. So I know everything that's going on with the Padres, but very little about what's going Like my family is, is, Yankees, Phillies, Red Sox, like all of them mixed together. And I don't know what's going on with the Yankees, Phillies, Red Sox, like they do. Like I know what's going on generally, but they're, they're watching them every day. And so it's cool right. to kind of jump back into that. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the time, AJ. It's a long way from reading your favorite writers in uh, Spanish class and torturing them because of bad basketball picks and things like that. So um, yeah, you picked, yeah, we, we, we didn't get that in there. You picked against <laughs> Hopewell in what was it? 2005. And we in the dog pounds that started a nice pick Olshin chant. That was that was partially my doing. So, partially like totally your doing, I think, right? Well, I I I know I started the chant. I believe one of our other one of my other friends came up with the idea for it. So, I think I think getting Hope out of the Legion World Series was part of my penance for that. There you go. We're even. We're even now. <laughs> AJ, it's a pleasure. Glad to see how great you're doing out in the West Coast and. Uh, Again, it's got to be a crazy to, to be writing about the, you know, the Padres, not just the personalities, but the resurgence of baseball in San Diego. And, you know, probably not just for this year, but they should be a good, exciting team for a long time. So congratulations to you. And uh, hopefully we reconnect again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Mike. Awesome. Thanks, AJ.